Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast and welcome back to that familiar feeling of the brave loss from Scottish Rugby. It is 6pm, it's about an hour since Scotland finished their game against Ireland in the Six Nations, Scotland losing 27 points to 24 and a familiar feeling that we just repeatedly shot ourselves in both feet for 80 minutes to make sure that we didn't win a Six Nations ma- uh, match. I'm with Alan and Matt, as ever, to do a quick reaction pods. Um, Alan, talk me through your emotions right now. Just, uh, just, a bro- just a broken man. Just sort of sat there. Freya's throwing up all over me. I'm watching Poir <laughs> blowing up for full time. It was a tough moment, actually. And Matt, have you um, been sick on yourself or um, anything like that? I think I pre- felt pretty sick that first 10 minutes in particular. That was the real height of my anger. And then I sort of went through the emotions of, you know, just acceptance, bargaining, then got a little bit excited and looked like we were coming back in. Uh, and then I went and started cooking for the last kind of five minutes because I thought, what's the point in anything anymore? <laughs> and that, I imagine, if, listeners, you've probably been through huge numbers of emotions as well. Uh, we put out a tweet about an hour ago asking for your comments, which is now sort of well over into the 80s and 90s, and we have an awful lot of emails, um, which we'll dive into some of those as we come uh, as we come to sort of look back on the game. I mean, where to start? Matt, 
you talked about there, that opening 10 minutes, Scotland heavily under the cosh, um, ultimately going down um, 8-0, giving up a try and a penalty in fairly short order. That all felt very familiar, didn't it? it, it and it kind of kept in that sort of um, classic Scotland vein for the whole game, didn't it? Yeah, it, it was strange. I think that there were, on, on both fronts, there were a couple of things on a couple of fronts um things that's just let ireland into the game and i think the fir- the first part was just our lack of intensity around the breakdown it didn't really seem like we were challenging much um the the defense in close to the ruck was pretty passive and you know when when you got like the likes of of stander and ryan and and furlong just doing the sort of pick and goes or or one off passes off th- from the rocks they were making ground so easily and then when the ball did sort of go a bit wider, it seems as if Scotland were trying to do a bit of a more passive kind of soft defence. And I, I'm not quite sure why that was a, a tactic. And it, it just, you know, leading up to the, the sort of first penalty allowed the likes of Lowe and Sexton just to really like dictate the pace of the game, get easy yards. And from that point onwards, really, we, it, it didn't seem like we, we could get a foothold in the game. It felt like the Scotland team sort of hit all the sort of classic notes. You know, you had, we went behind really early on. First 10 minutes, we were 8-0 down. We then had, after the second half, Ireland kind of getting this, what we what we sort of felt at the time was this sort of unbridgeable lead where, you know, Ireland then sort of, sort of grind you down. And then the final one was the restart with four minutes to go. We've made we've made it we've made it to we've, we're drawing we've got the momentum and then somehow I know it wasn't the, the restart itself but within the sort of sphere of that restart we managed to turn it over and the your man the man Sexton to be fair bo- didn't bottle it and got the three points. Yeah, there certainly were. It was it was the greatest hits to her. And it was uh, just so so familiar. And, uh, one of the uh, titles of. Uh, our uh, email inbox is sick of this shit, um, which is quite um, interesting. And a lot of people calling for Tooney's head, and I don't really want to focus on that right now, although we might come back to it. One other, I'll hit you with two stats, lads, um, that obviously um, put us on an enormous back foot. 15 turnovers within the game and a 25% success rate at um, the li- at the line-out. I mean... Matt, I'll come to you. What what has changed, and you know where is that Scotland team, that extremely accurate and disciplined Scotland team from Twickenham gone? Yeah, it's it's, it's hard to say. I, I think that what the Six Nations has shown that playing at home without a home crowd uh, can be like a pretty big challenge. Um, and, and I was also thinking that um, Scotland having that off week because of the France game being postponed Ireland admittedly only having um, Italy but they just looked so much sharper in everything they were doing and just from that sort of first Scotland carry where Sutherland went into some heavy traffic and was held up from that point onwards Scotland just weren't really getting any front football Ireland were the ones going forward and I think we'll we'll probably talk about the the referee but I think that the, the vast majority of the marginal decisions slash just some poor calls 
went in the way of Ireland because they were going forward and you know sort of painting that clearer picture as it were for for the referee so just that lack of intensity I think and it's it as I said it's hard to say exactly where that's coming from but just even the likes of uh, uh, someone we'll talk about as well Finn like he just didn't really look hugely up for it he was sort of shuffling around a bit like and I know that's what he's like but it sort of seemed like the kind of game where you needed him to take it by the scruff of the neck take, take charge and and sort of take a bit of responsibility I suppose apart from Watson who as he has done both in the win against England and the loss against Wales really just sort of cemented his place as being probably one of the best flankers in in world rugby right now I would say I think so. He was certainly the member of the pack that really stood up to be counted, not just his try, which was a freakish finish and the ability to sort of get get the ball to the ground with that many people trying to stop him. Um, But also, I think just his carrying is so ferocious and his ability to take a ball, sometimes from a standing start, and always make make yards is... um, is something that not an awful lot of players are doing in world rugby at the moment. So I think in terms of with Warren Gatland in the stands... Hamish Watson is probably the one Scot who has, um, you know, continued to further his case towards touring this uh, this summer. Um, you, you talked about Roman Pyle. Obviously, one big decision that he did give was um, Ireland's second try, um, which was uh, a pick and go and lots of heavy traffic, lots and lots and lots of bodies in the way. And he seemed to stick his head into the ruck for about 10 seconds and then appear to give it. I mean... Alan, how do you think that should be officiated? And do you think that, you know, obviously we're seeing it through a kind of one-eyed lens of a Scottish fan, but, you know, it really didn't think, it didn't look like it should have been given without at least a referral. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the the, the ruck beforehand, you know, the whole I think the ruck in general actually today was a bit of a mess. And I think, you know, the pitch in, in, in part had a little bit to play in that. But I was saying I was saying before the call, that actually the rock before that, Richie got down for the turnover. And I think you had a crocodile roll, a player off their feet, and potentially a headshot all in one sort of swift clear out from three three island players, which then got them quite clean ball to pop to tag burn. And, and actually, I think it was Sam Johnson, and I can't remember who the other person was, potentially Grant Gilchrist or, or Turner, I think it was someone with the red scrum cap, made actually quite a decent hit. And then Tag Burn, quite similar to what Watson sort of did, was just managed to ride that tackle and kind of got got over the got over the try line. And I was rewatching it after the match, and obviously, the, by the time Tag Burn was over the try line, there was about I'd say three, maybe three seconds where Roman Poir was standing looking at it. He then dived his head in, and it was almost t- an additional ten seconds before Roman Poir popped up and gave the try. Now, completely fair that Roman Poir decided to put his head in the ruck. Okay, that's great. But my view is that if between Tag Burn going over the try line, if there is more than 10 seconds before you are able to give the try, it makes complete sense that he goes to the TMO because it's such a long period of time. You know, ultimately his head isn't in that ruck <laughs> for 10 seconds. Like, you know, unless he is a hundred, unless he's not sure that there's been a try, like I don't even know why his head's in there for that long. It's not like he's like searching around looking for the ball. You know, you either you, you put your head in, you're either going to be able to see or you don't. So I just feel like, given 
where the game was at, given that Ireland were at the time, I think f- four or five points ahead, it just seemed. Oh, if there's almost like if I sometimes think with a lot of refs, there's a bit of ego involved that they feel like they want to be the ref that gives the try on the field, and yeah. then you know, obviously that you you saw Johnny Sexton very quickly. You know, he knows how it all works. He very quickly got the conversion over. You see one. You see one replay, and from that replay, I think if the you know it depends what the question was. If the question had gone up to the TMO, um, try yes or no, I think that comes back no from that one replay. Yeah, I I agree, and 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 I suppose like the decision making process should be um, should be taken without the context of the game. Like every decision should be treated exactly the same regardless of the score or the closeness but <laughs> surely with a game that is so tight at a pivotal point in the match like i don't think it reflects badly on Ruben Poit if he's if he's he's bloody put his head in the middle of this uh like melee of players and come out and just say look i can't i can't see you don't know what you don't know you know um and then I just don't understand why in that intervening period when that replay was shown, that's still where, you know, even Jamie Heaslip was saying, I don't think that's put down. The TMO doesn't say, and maybe they were, say to him, Roman, you might want to have another look at that because we're not sure. Um, but then I, and- I don't think there would be, I mean, again, I don't know what the TMO sees, but they didn't even show really show the replay until after or just as Sexton had the kick. So, but obviously Roman Poir very quickly kind of shuffled play along. Do you think because he put his head in the rock, he he felt like that was sort of enough to award the try? Again, and again, it goes back to know. this point that he had his, had his head in the rock for 10 seconds and he popped up and he said, I've seen the ball on the ground. Now, he either put his head in the rock and he sees the ball on the ground, or something has happened in that 10 seconds that has gone from him not seeing the ball to him then seeing the ball in the ruck. And and I don't understand what kind of change, given basically all the action is stalled and he's not moving. So I just found it a completely sort of ridiculous set circumstance where, again, I I don't know exactly what 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 Roman Poir was looking at for such a long period of time? What changed in that mm. intervening period? And then again, just the fact that he—it's just—I think you then compare it to the Watson try, which was such a clearer yeah, yeah, try exactly. versus Tag Burn. Poir again <laughs> said, "I have seen the ball grounded, but I'm going and then, but I'm going to check it." So you've got almost two two similar situations where almost. Some the the kind of whole kind of situation is kind of ended. Poir has then seen the ball grounded, and in one situation has gone to the team, and the other is not. And I think again, it's just that lack of consistency, which is a real frustration. Yeah. And I I don't want to. We shouldn't focus too much on the referee because Scotland made so many mistakes and weren't at the races. All these things that we've talked about, but at the end of the day, it's a twenty seven twenty four loss. Scotland are playing against a team who are ranked above us in in, in the world. It, it's a day where, you know, it's it's not a day for like running rugby. There's mistakes being made. It's going to hinge on a lot of these penalty decisions. 
So I think to call for not just consistency, but quality of decision is, is not an outrageous thing. Because I think if you if you look back at the tape, I think that a lot of the breakdown calls were going in Ireland's favour. There's there's a still a video that we just tweeted of Kelleher flying in off his feet with a kind of chicken wing elbow, actually completely similar to Omani's that got red carded for. Doesn't hit Cummings in the face, but hits him to an extent. He has to go off with an injury. It, no one says anything about that. It, it, it's just the only know, thing. Do, we, we just need a little bit of luck. So it, it is just frustrating. The only thing I will say, and I, I completely agree on the Kelleher point, is Cummings almost definitely is giving away a penalty at that ruck. <laughs> it's 100% off his feet playing the ball. But I agree sure. in the same sense that Kelleher could have very easily, at a minimum, have been yellow-carded yeah. for, for that behaviour. Mm. I'm just looking at um, Gregor Townsend's comments on that uh, tag burn try. He said, very similar to you, actually, Alan. So, you know, maybe you should consider a a role as the next Scotland head coach. He says, it was very similar to Hamish's, and that was referred to the TMO. I saw one replay, and it didn't look like he got the ball down. He might have 10 seconds after, but you just hope these things get referred to the TMO if there is any doubt. Townsend goes on to say that the challenge was us putting ourselves behind by 14 points. We put ourselves, we put in a huge effort to get it back to 24-24, but the work uh, work on is making sure we don't give big leads to that to the opposition. It's very, very reminiscent of the big lead we gave to Ireland in the Rugby World Cup a couple of years ago. Um, Hashtag Tunio Allen in. Get it going. <laughs> Hashtag tuning out Alan in. Um, well, Alan, you did say that Finn was going to be the first Scotland try scorer, so um, I don't know well, if you actually put any money on that. I annoyingly, I was considering whether to put Finn any time try scorer or first try scorer in the match, and I ended up putting on actually first try scorer in the match. So frustratingly, my Betfair account is again hit zero, which is <laughs> an all too similar feeling. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you know, I, I think you know we've sort of talked a bit about the rep. I think, and I think you've, I think you've tweeted it, and BBC Sport have obviously picked it up. I think you go back to it, fifteen turnovers, and you know we talked pre the England game about George Turner's arrows, and I know we got a little bit of heat because we we criticised George Turner for for Glasgow how potentially kind of erratic his arrows can be. No one's questioning how good he is in the loose, um, but today. You know, I think it was eight lineouts, and we lost six. And even the two that we won, it wasn't like clean ball. Yeah, yeah, we just didn't have a platform from there. Uh, did you think it was interesting that? I mean, I think um, I'm just looking at it now. Sorry, while well, I'm just get the, get my stats right. Turner was given 65 minutes. Do you think? I mean, I suppose we are maybe feeling the you know, the downside of the fact that Turner is the third choice Scotland hooker for a reason and Dave Cherry is the fourth choice Scotland hooker for a reason. So do you think, I mean, it was pretty clear to me that the lineup was malfunctioning at 50 minutes, but we persisted with Turner for 15. Do you think that's Tooney not trusting Cherry to give, you know, 35? Yeah, possibly. It, it's almost hard to tell, isn't it, that I think when the lineup does go awry, the the bank the the back almost stops with the hooker and you you don't know whether the the calling wasn't right or obviously Ireland have a very good line out jumpers and it seems as if Henderson and Ryan were 
were spoiling really effectively. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was surprised that clearly something wasn't working um, in, in the line out. And, you know, I, I think that Townsend was clearly quite happy to make some changes fairly early on, but Turner wasn't the one to to come off. So yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, and some of those some of those changes forced, some of them not. So um, you talked earlier, Matt, that Finn obviously didn't have one of his better games despite dotting down for a try in the first half. And we played essentially half an hour with with Hog Hog at ten. Um, I'm we, probably a little you- bit less critical of Finn. I think I I thought at moments, especially in attack when he was kind of getting those short passes or those really flat passes going, I thought, I potentially don't think he looked that up for it, but you know, that, I think that's just generally his style. I, I did think the Scotland attack was starting to, to look like it was, it was firing. Um, but, the, but the problem, the problem with the attack is that it was all happening in mid, in between the tens. Yes. And when, when you've got such a close game, like, you know, I think we, we we praise Russell for the fact that he he'll approach every game in the same way it it appears at least he will try things he wants to go out and and, and win the game playing positive rugby but ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true baby it's me Kiki Palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Surely after, you know, 35 minutes, 40 minutes of that game, you realize, right, okay, this is a bit of a dogfight. The pitch isn't, the pitch isn't um, right. We're not, lose, we're not winning any of our line outs. Uh, breakdown's not really going for us. Like, the 50-50 plays, I just don't know if they're the right way forward. Maybe not just the 50-50s, but, but doing all this nice attack within our own half, which we did at the start of the sec- of the first the second half, and then we got turned over, and yeah. Ireland go and, go and punish us. Like, And you contrast that with Sexton, who I think ran the Ireland attack really well, but at points was like, you know what? I don't necessarily want the ball right now. I'm just going to bang up a Gary Owen. And Ireland got a lot of change out of that, actually. It just... I think that it would have been nice to see Russell on a few more occasions trying to to play the game down in in their half. It's not all his fault, but you know he he is he's like the the be- arguably the best player in the team and one of the biggest leaders. So I think we should it'd be, it's fair to expect more. No, I think I think you're right. I think Sexton used that when when the Ireland attack appeared to be stalling, he used that bomb and. 
he was actually pretty pinpoint accurate with it. And I think Henshaw in particular is just so great at challenging for that high ball and not aiming to catch it, just aiming to like pam it back, which is actually in, in, insanely hard to deal with if you're like Stuart Hogg or a Doohan. And I think the few times that we put bombs up either from Finn or we were box kicking, I think a lot of them just went a little bit too far. And I think Hugo Keenan dealt with it pretty well, but he didn't have, he didn't have even close to the same amount of pressure that a lot of the Scotland backs had when they were sort of yeah. going up for it. I think a lot of those 50-50 aerial battles, Ireland, Ireland definitely won that aerial battle. Hugo Keenan looked very assured. Um, Keith Earls took a couple of very critical ones. And I guess maybe just that bounce of the ball, we weren't, we weren't quite as dominant in the air where we were against England and got an awful lot of, an awful lot of change, um, change from it. Um, could I nudge you guys towards some positives? Hugh Jones, this guy, an uh, outside centre, looks like he can play a bit of rugby. Where has this guy come from? Where has this 13 come from? He's actually sprung onto the stage. Well, his offload as well for, for Duhan. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys were. I was screaming at the TV because I'm sure that Duhan could have just reached out and scored a try in that yeah. moment. Yeah, totally. And actually, it didn't actually match in him because quite soon afterward, Watson scored and we had a try closer to, to the post. But uh, yeah, it was a bit of a weird... I don't know if Duhan just wasn't. I think he had. He, he wasn't really facing the line just because of where the tackle was, and I don't know if he just wasn't one hundred percent clear where the try line was in relation mm. to, in relation to himself. But, but yeah, Hugh Jones. It was Hog. James Lowe obviously was just held in a little bit by Hog's line. Mm. Yeah, and to be fair, I think Lowe's tackle was like pretty weak. It's the sort of tackle I used to make in the outside channels. Sort of just go a little bit high and just get like shrugged off. But at the end of the day, Hugh Jones hit the line hard. And then he obviously, he put it, they put the ball into one hand. He was only going to do one thing. And he does have, he, he can change that direction at speeds better, mm. uh, better than most players. And did Keenan pretty class. The thing is, I, I don't think Harris necessarily like had a bad game either. It's not as if you sort of see Hugh Jones do what he does there and say, right, it's a direct swap. But you do sort of see Hugh, Hugh Jones in that kind of form and see what the flashes he's had for Glasgow this season and think, how can we afford to not include that attacking talent somewhere? But but maybe, considering there are question marks over his defence, like the bench is a great place for him to be. I did see a few people saying Jones 12. I'm calling it. I've said it. Jones Harris. Although, to be fair, I actually thought Sam Johnson had did did his job well. Mm. I was going to say, I thought Sammy was pretty, was pretty decent today. It's maybe like hard to tell in a game where it's just so stop-start. I don't, I still don't quite see what the strategy is in attack 10, 12, 13. Yeah. Like I, I think Sam Johnson is a really great rugby player, and so is Harris. But maybe in terms of making that backline tick, it it doesn't quite work. But I mean, that's like <laughs> a secondary issue to the rest of the the kind of the terrible <laughs> bits and pieces that we saw today in in the game. Um, I'm struggling for positives beyond. Like I, I don't think anyone had a a, a really terrible game. But just everyone's most players seem to make like two or three key mistakes at 
just absolutely crucial times that killed us. And I wonder if that slightly speaks to a lack of, of leadership. I guess we're looking sort of the pack. I think you're right. I think you sort of take Watson out of the conversation for a bit. There's no one actually within that sort of one to six and eight who had a really terrible game. But I think potentially most of them were marginally beaten by their opposite man on the day. Yeah. I'd say I, I'd say it's more than marginal though. I'd say like yeah. I just think when whenever Stander plays against Scotland, he makes his opposite man look like a child. And I think that Fagerson was was manful and he was aggressive, but Stander's getting like ten meters with every carry. Um, Ian Henderson was like bossing. Like Cummings is great, but he probably is a bit lightweight. Um, and then like even you know Furlong was was on great form as well. Even like Keen Healy, it seems can just deal with those Scotland players physically. Mm. Matt Ferguson ten runs for thirty six um, meters. Stander eighteen eighteen carries for twenty three, so he made more just in that sort of heavy traffic type. Um, I'm just looking. I'm flicking through the stats. At the moment, um, I suppose frustrating things, particularly in the second half where we dominant, we had 55, we had more territory um, than Ireland. I think, as you say, nobody had, you know, a two out of 10 game, but the number of times we were winning penalties because Ireland, Ireland gave away nine penalties as well. Scotland only gave away 11. So there was an awful lot of penalties being given away at that breakdown. And there's a couple of things, you know, if you think about Finn missing that kick to touch with a penalty, you know, granted there's no guarantee we would have won the line out, but that is good work in the middle of the park by Scotland getting the penalty. And then, you know, we get a little bit of pressure and then we pressure is off or when we've kicked to the penalty, kicked to the corners and then lost line outs. It's just that inability to put the two things together is um is chronic and as you say Ireland are just a they're a very savvy team and yeah they we, it's just so frustrating we got what we deserved didn't we the the frustration with i think that obviously that penalty count do you say 15 to 9 is, 11 to 9 11 to 9 is is actually when when you look at Ireland's attack it's it's so limited yeah and the issue is so i was actually looking if you look at you know meters run, Scotland's three hundred and twenty to two hundred and twenty, clean breaks five to two, and then defenders beaten twenty two to six, and obviously six, and two of Ireland's six was Tag Furlong beating George Turner and Finn Russell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so the, that was class. To be fair, that was class. So the frustration is is actually is you know Ireland are just sort of actually not doing anything of their own to really break down that Scottish line. You know, they're obviously gaining those yeah. sort of marginal yards. But actually, if Scotland just are aggressive in defence and don't do anything stupid, I actually think Scotland should be quite comfortable with, with Ireland. It's just that we're, we're giving them those platforms. And, you, you know... Th- there's an argument to say some of them were quite sort of potentially you'd say is sort of unfair. I think actually the the penalty that um, that Ireland got in the lead up to the tag burn try, I actually thought should have been given the other way. It should have been um, reversed for for not releasing the player. But again, we, yeah. we just know what Ireland are like when they get into that twenty two. They're so dangerous and they can just grind you down, and they're so hard to sometimes get possession back off. 
we're giving them those opportunities to then d- d- score those sort of tries that we know they can do against the Scotland team. And wh- where do you think this leaves the Scotland team? Obviously, we're now three games in, um, two games to go. It's the next weekend. And then still not confirmed, but we expect to play France probably the following weekend. We can no longer win the tournament. Today was kind of the fork in the road, wasn't it? Win and we've, we're still in it. Lose and you know we're probably staring down the barrel of a two-win Six Nations. Three if we can go to Paris and, and get a win. I'm going to ask the question. We've had two or three emails calling for Tooney's head. Matt, is Gregor Townsend still the person to be taking this Scotland team forward? Yeah, he is. He, he still has by far the highest win percentage in the professional era, I think. Um, and I I think on average there have been more good days than bad with Townsend. Also, I'm just not quite sure who would come in. Um, but it, it does seem as if there are some familiar failings, which, to be fair, have probably been there for a long time under Scottish rugby rather than just Townsend. But it's difficult because that is pretty much the strongest team that Townsend can select. Maybe some people on the bench um, who yeah, are missing. It's not the strongest but, bench, but you're right. But yeah, but you know, absent Xander's Ferguson, like there's, there's not many other excuses. So if Scotland, if Townsend can't, you know, turn six nations into three victories, four victories, rather than the, the kind of two that we've become accustomed to, then you know, you, you you do have to ask those. I think I think it is fair to ask those questions. I don't think on the back of this, just to be clear, that that we should be getting rid of him. But it 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 is maybe like a a data point that that points to something a bit bigger in the future. Absolutely, and obviously Italy um, next. Just, sorry, my, just a quick note on that. Yeah, of course. I think. You, you do have to... So I'm very much not tuning out. And I think you've got to look at the sort of base level from what they're from not the working of, you know. Ultimately, two-thirds of that team, of that 23 for Scotland today, are playing for Edinburgh and Glasgow. Two teams that are both kind of fourth or fifth in their sort of respective conferences. And one, t- the top two teams in both Conference A and Conference B of the Pro 14 are... Leinster and Ulster, Munster and Connacht. Mm. So, I think ultimately, you kind of got to give Tooney a little bit of a a little bit of a break, and you know, the fact that he's not actually got the the best pieces to play with. And I think actually, with what he's been given, those results against England, uh, Wales, I, I don't understand Wales rugby team at all, but <laughs> and and Ireland, I actually think he's doing a pretty good job. And I think to your point, people forget like the history of Scottish rugby and even sort of Cotter's time for a little bit. The one thing with Cotter, and we talk about this, people sometimes forget the end rather than the beginning. And, and the issue with Cotter is he had that final, he had the quarterfinal mm. and then he had that final Six Nations where he won the three matches. People don't remember the Six Nations before where we lost every single game. <laughs> and, and, we got, and we got absolutely pumped by Ireland at home as well. Yeah. And the 65-pointer at Twickenham. And I think again, you've got to, you know, Tooney has the. Remember, Tooney has the best record of any Scotland coach, mm. the best win record. 
And I'd say he's operating with two pro teams that are struggling for 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 form versus you look at Ireland, what Andy Farrell has. I actually think Andy Farrell's doing a pretty poor job when you look at the quality that he has across mm. those four teams. Yeah, I, I do I do agree with that. Um and it there does seem to be this thing with with Wales that when they come together in the camp they can like put aside the fact that their regions are doing pretty averagely and like develop this kind of Wales team ethos. Which I don't know how you do that because they had it under Gatland, they seem to now have it under PVAC as well. But that's arguably the challenge for, for Tanzend. Um I, I think the other point is as you say, Townsend has the, the best record, but I think it's it, it's reasonable to ask how how much further he can take this team. And if Scottish Robbie wants to continue to get better, which I think over the last sort of 10, 15 years, it slowly has done the, the national team, then like maybe that does get to a point where you say to Townsend, like, look, thanks, you've done a you've done a great job, but you've you've reached the end of your journey like you've done as much as you possibly can and we need to consider someone else but i guess you know who who else do you think is 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 taking that team to the next level outside of potentially a warren galland (laughs) well yeah i know that that's that's what i was saying like it's really difficult um gatland 20 gatland 2022 that would blow up scottish rugby twitter what about gatland Scott Robertson and that, the that Richie Gate Gray like breakdown coach, yeah, and, yeah. and Matt Proudfoot, the South Africa coach who played for Scotland. And then actually, we'll just end up with Rob Howley as head coach. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Howley is head coach, and Scott Johnson comes back as chief executive. Of <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that would be great for our engagement. I would. Oh yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> the narrative would just be too much to deal with. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, as I say, we've got Italy next week. Um, either of you guys foreseeing any issues with that? You know, putting aside today's massive disappointment, Italy have been pretty fucking woeful this whole tournament. Surely that's got to be a, a pretty solid win for, for Scotland and, and perhaps, you know, a benefit of getting back on the horse now that we've got to go to, to France in a couple of weeks. Surely, like, <laughs> surely, I do. I don't want to tempt fate, but I am, I'm, I'm very confident of winning that game. Is it's not on a Sunday again, is it? Sunday, no, it's, well, it's, super, it's meant to oh, be Super oh, Saturday. Yeah. I think it's 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 the early kickoff. I think. Oh, good. So we can get it out of the way and then actually enjoy watching some rugby. Yeah, I don't know. It's a bit. Of, it's a weird one with Italy. Like, it really does feel. You know, you look at yesterday's game. And it, it's starting to feel like they are closer to the, uh, the, the I think they call it, what, the, is it the Europe Championship now? The one sort of below yeah. than, than they are to the other five teams. I always feel like Scotland almost kind of valid, because Scotland was so poor, for kind of maybe sort of twenty fifty before 2015 that the argument never really washed that Italy could leave. But Scotland have just now made that leap forward and now can operate with the other sort of four teams. And it's, I, th- I I was never actually sort of particularly pro, I think, the Italy, the promotion and relegation sort of argument. But 
I some I sometimes start to feel now that the gap is getting so big, and I don't. I know Italy have had a couple of maybe good like under twenty players coming through, but it there isn't enough really to make you think that um, they're going to be able to make that jump. And what it must be now, what must the last time that Italy won a game potentially might be that twenty fifteen Six Nations when uh, we lost yeah. to the yeah, Fern. Yeah, it was. Italy must hate it as well. Just literally getting pumped every, <laughs> every knowing that everyone in their fantasy team is making their captain at least a player <laughs> who's playing against them all the time, a winger to make sure that you get those points. Dave, do you want to do a quick update on the Thistle fantasy scores? I absolutely can. Yeah. So the um, the top four there has been another change at the uh, top of the leaderboard. Um, the mysteriously named OB is at the top, um, has taken over Kath, who hangs in there at uh, second. Early runners and rider um, Ben Dover is at third. And a young man called Matt Hanney of the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast is sitting ten- just teasingly at fourth. Oh. I mean, Matt, will you redonate the T-shirt to the cause if you two go on to win it? Well, so far, you failed to mention that in that top three that the OB is one of our good friends, that the other person is also a good friend, and then it's me. So I don't know if it. I don't know if it just, looks like just to confirm, so far, we don't know bend over. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know, we don't know bend over. <laughs> we don't know who bend over is. To be fair. Um, so we're looking might like think an SRU sort of, of, sort of recruitment policy at the moment, isn't it? Jobs for the boys at the top of the um, the Thistle Fantasy League. Exactly. Well, we'll have to we'll have to see um, whether the the t shirt will have to. Um, I did I did speak to um, I did speak I run the idea of Kath and asked her if she was really excited about winning the t shirt, and she said I don't care about the t shirt. So you know. We might have to redonate that to another another prize winner at some stage. I, I think if you deserve the tea, exactly. If you don't care about the t-shirt, then can we? Do we? We're the administrators. Can we kick people out of the league? That'd be quite funny. <laughs> I don't. Know if we can. We do, we do whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, let's let's wrap this up. That's been a sort of tight sort of thirty-five minutes of ranting. Um, we hope that you have found that as a cathartic um, outpouring of emotion. We will uh, be back to preview the Italy game later in the week um, and keep in touch with us on social media that's at Thistle Rugby Pod on Twitter Thistle underscore Rugby underscore Pod on Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter so that's Substack um, Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast we're going to draft something up um, tonight uh, so that'll be with you as well so make sure you subscribe to that to get it in your inbox um, but until then we are back where we always were disappointed about being Scottish rugby fans. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.